Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, I want to get into our teaching. Y'all ready? All right. We are going to be here a couple hours. No, I'm just kidding. It's like 530. Everybody's chilling. Y'all must have like taken a nap or something. But anyways, um, we are going to talk about the spirit of Christmas. Everybody say the spirit of Christmas. You know, you probably heard people talk on the radio about what the spirit of Christmas is. And, you know, they play Christmas carols and everybody is like, you know, talking about the spirit of Christmas, and maybe um, you've heard people talking, uh, again, on TV about, I wish everybody would get the spirit of Christmas, and everybody defines it differently. For some, the spirit of Christmas is, man, I just, like, we will have the spirit of Christmas, true Christmas, if everybody would get along in my family. And how many of y'all know that that is a miracle of God? For everybody to get along, or maybe you're like, you know what, I want my decorations to be perfect, or I want um, um, to get the right gift, and if we all can get the right gifts, and everybody gets the perfect gift, and we are going to experience true Christmas bliss, and my kids are going to be happy, and how many of you know that it doesn't matter what you buy your kids, they're more than likely in about two hours after Christmas, they're going to be saying they're bored. And the little ones are going to be playing with the boxes. And it's kind of crazy how Christmas just kind of just evolves and kind of gets, gets here and we kind of walk through it. And um, I want to show you that really if you want to know what the spirit of Christmas is, we need to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say is the spirit of Christmas? And the greatest way to experience this is to go look back at the original Christmas story in the Bible and see what the people that experienced the first Christmas, what happened in their life? What, what did they experience? And, and, and you can see that automatically. And I want to just kind of let the cat out of the bag. I no, normally don't use that, the word cat in church. But I'm going to let the cat out of the bag tonight and just say this to you is that the spirit of Christmas is worship. It's worship. Everybody say worship. The spirit of Christmas is worship. Um, if you go back and you begin, and, and I don't want you to turn there just yet. We're going to go and look at a, at a scripture in Matthew. But you can go look at Luke's account, and you really see this uh, in Luke chapter 2. And if you want to go back and look at it sometime, even Luke chapter 1, you see that Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she encounters the baby Jesus, her first response is to worship. When Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, when he encounters Christmas, his first response is to worship. When the shepherds, you know, those guys that were out in the fields and they experienced that the angels come and to announce to them the birth of Jesus and their response was to worship and to glorify God. 
the shepherds worshiped, um, Elizabeth, Zechariah, all of these people. And you also have the wise men. And we're specifically going to look at the wise men tonight. And um, because I, I think there's so much about worship that we can learn from the wise men. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to chapter Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, verse 12, this is a little lengthy, but I want to read those 12 verses. And if you want to follow along, they're going to be on the screen. And if you don't have your Bible, you can uh, uh, follow along on the screen. The Bible says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler. Who will shepherd my people, Israel? Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him... Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that in these next few moments as we look at the wise men and Father, what they show us from this Christmas story. Lord, I pray that you would speak into our lives. I pray that we would be receptive tonight. God, to a new truth in our life, Lord. I pray that we would not become numb to your word. But, Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would speak freshly into our lives. Father, I thank you in your name. Amen. I want to give you some principles, if you want to write this down tonight, just some practical things about worship that we can learn from the wise men. Number one, worship always involves personal sacrifice. Worship involves personal sacrifice. The Bible tells us there in the first two verses that the wise men came from where? They came from the east. I don't know if you, you realize this, but they came from a long way away. They actually walked 850 miles. And back in that day, there were, there were no QTs. There were no 7-Elevens to go get a big gulp or, or, or Sonic to go get you like strawberry limeade slush to cool down. They're walking 850 miles in the desert. Why are they doing this? Because they want to worship Jesus. They see the star, which the star represents the presence of God, the glory of God, and they're so determined 
to go worship Jesus, that they're willing to sacrifice everything. They're willing to sacrifice blisters on their feet. They're willing to sacrifice being in the heat and walking 850 miles. Why? Because they want to worship. You know, when I say worship, again, my challenge tonight is so many of us have been so desensitized to what worship is about. We've kind of dumbed it down to a, a, a religious ritual that happens inside of the church, and we kind of just show up, and we're going to sing three or four songs, and if the worship leader sings more than three songs, we're kind of going, hey, I'm kind of getting tired a little bit here. And we've kind of dumbed it down. And when you hear me talk tonight about the spirit of Christmas as worship, it's easy to just kind of go, well, this is kind of a cute little message. Listen to me. Worship is supposed to be something powerful in your life. And the wise men, they, they walk, they, they, they sacrifice. See, a, a lot of times what happens is that we whether we recognize it or not, we don't want to sacrifice. I mean, isn't it true that even at Christmas, this is why you have regifting? How many of y'all have regifted something? Raise your hand. Come on, we're in church. I need y'all to be Christian. Okay, some of y'all are not being truthful. Everybody in here, at one time or another, you probably regifted something. You know, somebody gave you some gift and you were like, or you forgot to buy gifts for somebody and you, you got this special drawer in your house that you keep all the, the gifts you don't want. And you run in there and you open up and you're like, oh, I forgot about cousin Eddie and, and he showed up to Christmas this year and you got to go get him a gift and you go grab something. And it's not a sacrifice. It didn't cost you anything. I heard about a, a husband and a wife that they, they were at the Christmas services and his wife was, was showing off with this huge diamond ring. And, you know, uh, like she was showing it off. You know, ladies, when you get a big old rock, isn't it true your fingers, your hand kind of changes a little bit? Like there's this little thing how you do it, and you're like, you want people to notice that you got a giant rock on your hand. And he bought her this ring, and, and this guy's buddy notices the ring, and he's like, Man, I thought his wife wanted an SUV for Christmas. And he bought her that big old ring. And so he goes up to him and he says, hey, like, I thought your wife wanted a, an SUV for what you paid for that big old diamond ring. You could have bought her an SUV. And the guy, husband, looked back at his buddy and he said, duh, I can't buy a fake SUV. Some of y'all are going to get that in a little while. We don't like to sacrifice. And I, I listen, I'm, I know this gets a little heavy when you start talking about this, but think about, and I, I'm not here to get on to anybody. I love you guys, and I just, I, I love you enough to tell you the truth. But what happens is you start thinking about our priorities and how we worship God and and what Jesus Christ means in our life. And it's like, you know what, if, if we're not doing anything else, we're going to go worship. And we've kind of even taught this next generation that, and listen, I love sports. But you look at lot, the way a lot of us as parents are with our kids when it comes to sports. 
or school, you're not telling your kid, you know what, I know you're like, you're on a basketball team. If you don't feel like it, you don't have to go. Some of y'all are like, you know, you're going. I don't care if you got pneumonia, you're going. Or, or, or they don't miss school just because they don't feel like it. But you asked your kids, listen, and again, I know there's nobody here that does this, but there are people that have heard that do this. That you ask your kid, do you want to go to church or not? And we kind of have created this culture where, where, where worship and, and going to church is just kind of a thing that we do out of convenience. And it's not a sacrifice. It's not, a, not like the, the, the wise men are saying, I want to be in God's presence so bad that I will walk 850 miles. I want to be in God's presence so bad that I don't care if I just worked all night last night and I, I am tired and, and the cowboys are pl- No, well, you probably don't care about that, but uh, like whatever. You're like, I'm going. And I love this about the, the wise men that they teach us this is that worship always involves personal sacrifice. You will never worship as long as you're caught up in yourself. Listen, a lot of us think we're too cool for school. We're, we're like, we think we're all that in a bag of chips. But you open up a lot of bags of chips and what do you get? A lot of air and a little bit of chips and that's what a lot of us are. We're, a lot of us are full of air. I'm preaching. And we're kind of too cool for school. We, we're like, the worship leader tells us to raise our hand. And I know some of y'all are convinced that, that Pastor Rachel gets paid by how many hands are raised. That somebody in the back's counting all the hands that are raised. And we're like, well, we're going to pay Pastor, you know, Pastor Rachel $5 for every hand that's raised. And you're like, I am not raising my hand. But it's actually Biblical. You want to worship God. And the wise men, that's what they teach us about. The spirit of Christmas is this freshness of going, I love Jesus so much. I want to be in his presence. I think of my wife, and listen, I'm not just saying this because she's my wife, but my wife is one of the, the godliest people I know. And I've listened to her different times tell me what she was like in high school and her mom and dad didn't really go to church and, and she would go to 5.30 in the morning prayer at their church before school. And she would make her mom drop her off at the church. And I think of that's, that, that's like, that's wanting to be in God's presence. It's a sacrifice. It's like, you know what, I... Listen, I got, all of us want to do a lot of stuff, but we're like, you know what? This is so important that I, I want to worship God. And I just want to encourage you to don't lose that, that passion and that, that, that heart to say, you know what? Worshiping God is a priority in my life and being in the presence of God. And I know some of us, man, and again, listen, I'm not trying to get on to you. I love you. But if you're like thinking in your mind, well, I'll show up 20 minutes into the service because they're just singing some songs. We're not just singing songs. 
God help us if we dumb worship down to just some songs that we sing. We are in the presence of God. And it, require, it will require sacrifice. It will require you telling your flesh and your mind of all that wants and things that you're going to want to say, no, we, I want to go be in the presence of God. Number two, worship seeks God's glory. Worship seeks God's glory. I think this is so important. Worship seeks God's glory. You know, it's really ironic to me if you read the details and, and again, the Christmas story. The Bible is this way. If sometimes we kind of read it and we just kind of like don't pay attention to the details. But, you know, I think of how the wise men, they saw the star 850 miles away. And if you read the detail of the scripture that we just read to you is that King Herod didn't know where G, the baby was. He, did not, he didn't see the star. The religious leaders didn't see the star. Do you know that the religious leaders were four and a half miles from where the, birth, the birthplace of Jesus? And yet the wise men are 850 miles away. How did the wise men that were 850 miles away see the glory in the presence of God when the the religious leaders are four and a half miles from the birthplace of Jesus. They can't see it. The difference is the wise men are seeking the presence of God. See, too many of us, again, we're not seeking the presence of God. If you are not seeking the presence of God, see, you need the presence of God in your home. You need the presence of, of God with your kids. You, listen, you're not smart enough to raise your kids. As much as you, listen, I know you're a perfect parent when your kids are two and three, but let them turn 13 and 14. You need the power of God. You need the presence of God. And, and there's a lot to be said about seeking the presence of God See, the reason is simply why they didn't see it is they weren't seeking the glory of God, so they weren't, they weren't seeing it. Let me ask you this. How many of you are, are you, you can admit today we're in church tonight, you are like you're a, a, a hugger? Raise your hand. Like you love to hug people. All my huggers, come on, like raise your hand up high. How many of you, okay, how many of you are non-huggers? You don't want nobody touching you. You're like, don't hug me. And the huggers are like, okay, I see. I'm like, let me just get a hold of you right now. I'll hug you. Come on, baby. Come here. Let me hug you. Church people like love to hug, right? And you're like, please don't hug me. And I'm not dogging you if you're a non-hugger. But a lot of us, this is how we're treating God. God's trying to engage us and get, trying to be, God wants to be with us. This is, do you know that's why Jesus came to this earth and why he, why he lived the life he lived and died on the cross? And this was all a message that God was sending humanity is that God wanted to have a relationship with us. God wanted to be with us. God wants you to be in his presence. And, and being in, in, 
and, and letting, when you, you think about worship, seeking God, it's so important. See, you will get what you look for in life. You'll get what you look for spiritually. If you, again, dumb down worship into a place that you're just singing songs and you're not seeking the presence of God as you're worshiping and you're like, you know what, man, I, I need to be in God's presence. So God's in this place. but God's also in your car. God's also at your house. And, 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 and having the attitude of, you know what, I want to worship God and I want to seek God and I want to be in his presence. I need God to show up in my life. I need him to show up. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Again, this is such an important uh, principle in all of our lives. Number one is that we understand that worship always involves personal sacrifice. And number two, worship, uh, it seeks God's glory. You're seeking God's presence. See, this has never been about what church background you come from. And this is where a lot of times I, a lot of us get stuck and we're like, you know what, I grew up Church of Christ or Presbyterian or Catholic and Creekwood is like Baskin Robbins. We got people from every kind of back, background and, and it's very easy to kind of go, well, it's not the way I grew up and, and, and you start to kind of like put up this wall in your relationship with God and in your worship. And I just challenge you to, to be like the wise men that you say, you know what, I will do whatever I got to do to be in the presence of God. And when I start worshiping God, when, when I'm seeking God or I'm listening to worship music, I want to be in the presence of God. So, man, I am going to get every distraction out of my heart and out of my mind because I'm here to worship God. God's presence makes such a difference. And this is what the wise men found. You know, that the next area is that they found that what, what a difference the presence of God is that the worship results in great joy. Worship results in great joy. Psalm 1611 says this, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Where's the fullness of joy? It's in God's presence. In Matthew 2.10 says, when they saw the star, I love this. It, it doesn't say they, they had a little bit of joy. It says, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's like some crazy joy. And I was thinking about this and that, you know, so many of us, we, we it's a part of life that you go through stuff. Um. People pass away. In fact, my, my wife and brother-in-law um, had to drive to Orange this morning real early for a funeral and a friend of their family, and, and things happen. And it's very easy to just kind of let life just kind of become such a deep burden on, all, on our lives, and, and after a while, we're just kind of fighting to, to, to survive, and you get doctor's diagnosis, you get financial problems, all this kind of stuff happens, and you're like, you know what? Joy is so elusive. 
What if you were to stop and, and, and really, like, not just because a pastor's talking about it tonight, but you, you believed it because you saw this happen in the wise men's life. You saw it happen with the shepherds, that they experienced great joy. And you think about in your own life, what, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through is, what it, would, what it would look like if you were to say, you know what, man, when I'm in the presence of God, something happens. And I showed up tonight, and man, I, I was like, I was walking through some dark stuff, and I'm, I'm so discouraged and so hopeless. And as I worshiped God, I just sensed a peace and a joy in my life. And you knew something was different. That's the presence of God, experiencing that joy. And that's the spirit of Christmas is what worship is about. And listen, please don't make worship about just singing three songs. It's about a connection with God, and God wants you to be in his presence. God wants to give you this joy, and when you start to recognize this, see, listen, what we love, we sacrifice for. What we care about, we sacrifice for. This is why, listen, I know you've heard us talk about this beyond offering, and if you've been around here for very long, you know that I've never, as a pastor for 15 years, I have never wanted our church to be about high pressure and giving. That's why the offering boxes are in the back. But you, you begin to realize, and what happens, this has happened to so many of you in your life, is that God begins to change your life. And after a while, you were like, you know what? God has done so much in my life that I want to make a difference in somebody else's life. And that takes sacrifice. Some of you are going without, you're, you're like, you know what, I wanted a brand new TV this year, but I'm not getting a brand new TV or whatever. And you're sacrificing for us to be able to reach that next generation. And I love the last thing that worship teaches us, the wise men teach us, is that worship results or involves giving to God. Worship involves giving to God. And again, this is such an important um, aspect to worship. See, if your worship is not leading you to give to God, then something is faulty in your worship. Let me say that again. If your worship doesn't lead you to give to God, then something is faulty in your worship. And don't limit that to finances. Your worship, when you serve, you're worshiping God. When you went out Friday night, and a lot of y'all went out Friday night to, to hand out gifts to, to needy kids in, in South Fort Worth. That was worshiping God. But listen to what verse 11 says of Matthew chapter 2. It says, and I love this. This is probably one of my favorite Christmas scriptures. It says, and going into the house, they saw the child. This is the wise men. They went in the house they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. It says they fell down. These guys are some of the most powerful people of that day. They're magi. These guys are, are very wealthy. And again, they, they have such a raw freshness, fresh love for God. And they get in the presence of Jesus and they have such humility. They just fall to their knees. And let me ask you this. You remember the first time 
you receive Christ into your life? You know, when you re recognize that day that you recognized how, what a sinner we all are, and you started to understand the unconditional love and grace of God, and you were, some of y'all remember that. Maybe you were at camp or kids camp, youth camp, or you were at a church, and man, you couldn't stop crying because you're like, God loves me, and I've messed up so bad in my life, and I think about that emotion that, that draws you to want to worship God, and I don't want to lose that. I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and it's very easy to just kind of go, well, I just got to crank out services. Listen, I don't want to lose the, the freshness and the, the sensitivity to the presence of God, that when I'm in the presence of God, I realize what he's done for me, not as a pastor, but as a, as a person. And this is what you see, they have this humility. And, and I, again, I, I love when you start to talk about the power of humility and, you know, I love when you start thinking about this is that, you know, humility will solve a lot of problems, but pride will create a lot of problems. And a lot of us, the reason why we don't worship God the way that we, we ought to is because we got a lot of pride. And humility gets you to a place that you're like, Lord, I just humble myself in your presence. And again, they fell down and they worshiped. And you look at the last part of that verse. It says they, they opened their treasures. And I love that. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Don't you think that's kind of a crazy gift to give a baby? Like how many of you, when you had a baby, somebody brought you gold? How many of you like would love to have gold? You're like, we'll have another kid. Most of you got diapers and hiney wipes. You got all that kind of stuff. This is kind of a crazy gift to give Jesus. But you have to understand that this gift is prophetic. The gift that they are giving Jesus, is it is prophetic of, of something to come. Do you know that you're giving tonight? Every time you give, there is a prophetic aspect to everything that you give. Guess what you give? It's affecting somebody else's life in the future. Do you know that the way you pray, it's prophetic? What you're praying for? Look at gold, it, 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 it symbolized a gift to a king. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Frankincense, it was a reference to the priestly role that Jesus Christ would come to, to live on this earth. And myrrh, myrrh, most of us probably don't even, have never seen myrrh, but do you know that myrrh was used in, in the embalming of a dead body? What a crazy gift to give Jesus, the baby. This speaks to his death. See, you're giving when you give, when you worship. And again, don't, don't, don't limit this to financial giving. It's just what you give. It, it's, it's prophetic, but it's, you also see another aspect. And let me just say this, and I'll wrap this up. Do you know that this met a need for Jesus and his family? 
because Mary and Joseph had to take baby Jesus and they had to run to Egypt and they went to Judah and Judea. Why? They're running away from King Herod. The gift that the wise men gave was used to meet a need. I just, tonight, as, as we kind of, I'm trying to land the plane. I want you to think about your worship. You want the spirit of Christmas. It all falls back to your worship for Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you this, this Christmas of 2019. May throughout the moments of your Christmas celebrations and everything that you do, and I know you're going to be here and we celebrate and you're going to be with your family. And make this about worshiping Jesus. Let this be something that ignites a freshness inside of you that you say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. You know, the greatest Christmas scripture is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And God gave us his son to save us. And our response, just like everyone that encountered Jesus at that first Christmas, ought to be, God, thank you. I worship you. Would you bow your heads tonight as we pray? Father, thank you for your love and I thank you for your voice in our lives. And Lord, I pray that all of us, God, I include myself. God, may we be reminded that the spirit of Christmas truly is worship. That Father, we want to be people that worship you, that honor you, that God, we're so grateful that God, we, we will sacrifice to worship you. God, we want to be in your presence, Lord. Father, I pray that this would never become old to us, Lord. That this would be, this Christmas, be the, the thing that, that is ignited afresh, that the Christmas spirit of worship becomes a strong part of our life. We thank you for this tonight, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.